today we're kind of mixing it up a little bit aren't we so i've got a special guest jody powell from a place to ponder podcast and yeah welcome jody well i guess like it's kind of the trenches and the a place to ponder podcast it is sorry today. yeah i just glossed over that it's, it's a collab it's a collab episode people so come on and also i feel like the reason why this all came about is because i was stalking your instagram don't know how i got to it but i found it cash and um obviously i saw that you did this podcast but also your own sort of experience i'm sure your listeners would love to hear about and so i thought why not let's collaborate let me ask you some questions give the people what they want to hear which is about your career sure i don't know if the people want it but sure why not <laughs> well if no one else is interested i'm definitely interested so it's a chance for me to find out about your career and then just record it for other people to see too lovely that sounds good so i think we need to start at the very beginning how on earth did you get into film where did the passion come from okay cool so um i always just enjoyed watching films when i was a kid so i guess it kind of starts from like early on in my life um the more notable films would be Star Wars, um, Harry Potter. Um, what else? I always just love sci-fi. I always loved the escapism that film provided and kind of losing myself within these worlds. Um, I guess I just don't like reality. And so I kind of found myself, um, yeah, wanting to escape reality into these cool worlds with, you know, in space in like the wizard world you know like maybe more of that fantasy kind of um genre but yeah i just really enjoyed watching films and i thought it would be really awesome if i could contribute towards that in any way shape or form so like in terms of like with that in mind what was your first instinct was it ever acting oh that's a good question um yeah you know what um it might have been acting maybe it probably was acting that first initial oh what can I do because I remember my mum took me to like a, a Saturday school Saturday drama school um and I did one uh like lesson and I hated it really I hated it I don't know I just went I saw all these other people kind of doing their thing just got really nervous and shy like I was definitely one of those shy kids didn't really have too much confidence and so definitely just kind of took myself out of that situation and I was like oh what's the next best thing is behind the camera and then just got interested in making little films really um obviously kind of studied film or well, at the studied media it was media production um and then studied media it was like media studies it was a b-tech during sixth form which was a lot more practical and just kind of found myself making little films and always kind of going hammer when making those films because I was like truly obsessed and I was like wow like I was watching all of these great films and I was like I want it to be like that and I don't know just wouldn't stop until I kind of reached that or felt that it was the best that I could do I think I've always been like that you know maybe I don't know where that stems from but I'm sure if you did some digging like you know you could you, could, you I, well I could probably find out but mm -hmm. yeah just always had a real interest in making films and would make films in my spare time with like lego and like doing stop motion animation and 
I just remembered like the feeling I would get when my mum or parents would watch it and be like, oh my God, like this is amazing. And showing just, their friends and like you showing your friends. Yeah, exactly. Like, and just like kind of that feeling that it gave me, I just, just, just loved it. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I don't know. I, don't, I just didn't really have too much of a plan. I just kind of really enjoyed doing it. And so I kept doing it over time and guess here I am. Yeah. And would you say, because I feel like with a lot of, a lot of the experience of people that have a you know a creative interest or like a creative brain a lot of people i think would say that there's often a battle with parents you know it's not it's not really a set in stone career you kind of have to forge your own path and that can be quite unpredictable and i think parents often want the safest route for their kids and did you ever feel like you had to kind of like prove to your parents that this was a career that you could you know make something of and and live off of or were they always quite supportive of you they were always supportive of me for sure um yeah they didn't really box me in or tell me that i could do had to do this or that they were super open and super supportive in that process and so you know i definitely wouldn't be where i am today without their support and open-mindedness about the potential of having a career in film or media because yeah like you said it's very untraditional and that can scare a lot of parents and when they when they hear that and they're like oh oh god like <laughs> yeah they're like oh so we're going to be funding your life till you're yeah, like yeah, 55 yeah. exactly exactly <laughs> but yeah i guess i guess i always knew there there was it it had potential and yeah, like I said, whenever I do anything, I just go hammer. I go like full send on it, like one hundred percent. And yeah, I I knew I knew I don't know. I just knew I would make it in a weird way because I just truly loved doing it. And I I think I I I definitely just saw of me being older, being a filmmaker. And I think when you have that kind of end goal in mind, when you know the process becomes easier. Yeah, of course. And you you're really kind of like without getting too sort of airy-fairy about it, but you're, I guess you're essentially manifesting it. You're putting all of your energy into something that you full, fully wholeheartedly believe is going to happen. And I think that's really powerful. I, I heard, like, I've been hearing quite a lot of things like about deluding yourself into, like, even if you doubt yourself, you've got to delude yourself into believing that you can achieve it and, like, have no plan B. Because if you have a plan B, you're you're kind of like wasting your energy because you're you're hedging your bets. Whereas if you only have a plan A, and <laughs> everything you have like goes in into that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I feel if you know, yeah, if you only have one plan, <laughs> I guess you've got to make it work. Got Other, to make it work. I, I don't think I ever had a, had a plan B or a plan C. Um, maybe it was just like getting an office job, but like that never never crossed my mind. To be fair, I used to work in a supermarket. And that was kind of my first proper job. Um, and I did that and I realized I would never want to do it again. And so I started I started from a place of I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so my plan A was was my only plan. Yeah, I guess. So I work in an office now and hopefully <laughs> it was watching. But um, yeah, it makes you realize that it's not what you want to do for the rest of your life. Like. I want to be out doing things and I think sometimes it is figuring out what doesn't work for you which gives you kind of like the answer that you're looking for because I feel like a lot of people that perhaps maybe watch your podcast or, or listen to mine is like trying to figure so 
I actually recently was speaking to this actor and he was like, we're all creatives and we all want to have a creative output, but there's this period of adjustment, which maybe started with you, you know, thinking, oh, maybe I'll be an actor. You wanted to be creative. And as a child, you see, oh, acting, that is, you know, that's films, like actors are in films. So you think that's the route. And then you th- then you realise, oh, wait, actually, I'm not this sort of outlandish, outgoing child. Maybe that's not for me. And you're kind of like figuring out the route that works for you. Yeah, yeah. And once you find that, I think you got to just run with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not exactly. get distracted because it's really... yeah. And like, I think I think I'm quite lucky because I found something I, that I love doing early on. Mm-hmm. And like I think a lot of people these days, there's so much choice with what you can do. Um, and it, it, you know, it's hard to make a decision and fully commit to something. Um, and like you know, people find that later on in life or early on in life. Um, I think it was Alan Rickman who played Snape in Harry Potter only found um, film acting in his 40s. And like, that's, you know, he's probably one of the best actors to have ever lived and like played probably one of the best roles. Everyone knows Snape. Everyone knows who he is. Um, And so, yeah, I guess I was just really lucky to find that early on. Um, The enjoyment that I had for film definitely translated into the process of making films. And so, yeah, I just, yeah, I guess I'm quite lucky in that sense to have found something early and I can commit to it early and, and I'm now you know i've laid the foundation and i'm 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 now kind of you know sowing those oats mm-hmm. yeah so let's talk specifically about your role today sure like in the broader sense like what would you describe your title is and your position on a set what does that look like so my title is director of photography or it can be called a cinematographer both the same roles just called different uh different things um i think a cinematographer is probably more based within narrative film and a dop is maybe a bit more of a commercial music video kind of term but essentially both both the same things um and so what i do is funnily enough i direct the photography um and so i work with the director very very closely and so basically the director comes to me and says oh i want to do this this is my idea and I'm the person that kind of actualizes that idea and says, okay, to do that, you're going to need this camera, this lens, this light, you know, in this location to make it look and feel like that. Um, and so, yeah, what I do is create the look and feel of the image. Um, and that can mean many things and has a lot of things involved in it. It's not just cameras. It's not just lights. It's like art direction, art direction, like the mise-en-scene, um, the way the actor is, you know, turned. Like there are so so many elements to it. Um, but yeah, essentially, I help actualize the idea of the director and kind of bring that to life. So, do you ever get into situations where, like, I mean, obviously the directors, you know, being trained as well, but where they're maybe not as, because you're you're essentially mind reading in a sense. Obviously, you're having conversations, but you're trying to have, you're kind of having to get into the brain of the director. Are there any times when you're you're literally like I, I actually can't figure out what your what what your sort of vision is and how to then make that into something. Yeah, for sure, it happens all the time. Um, but then you try and you try and have a conversation with them, and you try and break that down. And even if even if you're still lost, then 
you'll probably just end up winging it on the day. Um, although that is is that's not a good position position to be in because then you're all, you're kind of leaving it up to chance. Um, the way I kind of approach it is um, I'm I'm lucky because again I'm lucky because I work with the 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 directors that I work with uh, quite frequently, and so we have a pre-existing relationship about how each other work and you know it's a give and take kind of thing and they usually kind of communicate or i kind of figure them out early on um sometimes there there doesn't need to be much communication sometimes we understand we are already on the same page but you know let's say there's a new direct director that i'm working with um basically we meet up kind of have a look like a coffee a bit of a kind of catch up over it um, they send me the treatment, which is the idea deck, which kind of outlines the idea. And so I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Already have an idea going into the conversation. Um, and yeah, we meet up and basically hash it out. Like I ask them a bunch of questions, mainly like, you know, is this at night? Is this at day? Where do you see this? Is this inside, outside? Um, do you want to shoot on film? <laughs> I always ask, do you want to shoot on film? Because shooting on film is great. Um, but it, usually the answer is no. Um, but yeah, you just have to be super open and not scared to ask questions. Um, if, if, yeah, if you find yourself in that position, you just need to uh, need to kind of talk your way out of it and into like kind of the clear, the clear vision. Um, and that's just done with communication. Um, communication is super important in film and sometimes it isn't there and when it isn't there you see it on set and that's when things start to go wrong and I mean it still happens to me today where um to be fair you know it happened to me maybe last week on a shoot where me and the director kind of planned a shot and like but in his head he saw it differently and and then like come the day we were like we were both setting up the same shot but it was two different shots and you know luckily we managed to kind of hash it out in that moment but you know there's still sometimes where there's so much going on on set that you know things do slip and you know even I find myself in a position like oh god okay cool that wasn't what I thought but I like let's roll with it kind of thing yeah um but yeah like an answer to your question is just you have clear communication between all the everyone basically and do you feel do you feel valued on a set in the sense of like you're able to have you're able to say you know I I hear you I see your vision but actually I think if we did it this way it would pay off is there that kind of flexibility or is it the case of this is the vision this is how you get from A to B you're in charge of executing it yeah each shoot is different I think um, each shoot is very different although I now feel like I've reached a level where um, I do have that respect and people respect me and my ideas only because they have seen my previous work, have worked with me before. And that's that's why a lot of the people I currently work with are people who I've worked with before is because, you know, you kind of gel and fit together and know how each other work and be like, oh, no, like, you know, we can leave it to Toby. We can leave this. I don't need to micromanage him because he knows what he's doing. I like what he does, et cetera, et cetera. And like, sometimes it's hard to have your input on things because there are so many things at play when on a shoot like you have to um you kind of have to 
uh, chat with the client. You have to chat with either, if you're shooting a music video, like the label, the artist, their manager, like the, the stylist, like everyone pitches in at some point. There's a lot of opinions, basically. So many opinions. And you have to learn how to deal with that mm-hmm. and to kind of navigate that space because it can be pretty treacherous when everyone is shouting their opinion at one time. Like, you know, sometimes on on set, you know, communication does break down or you kind of hit a wall and you don't know where to turn next. And it's it's super unhelpful when everyone's shouting and saying their opinion because really there should be one opinion and that is the director and mine maybe. Um, but but you know usually me and the director have have the same opinion um you know we have done the prep work to suggest that and sometimes yeah like when it gets yeah when you do hit a wall a lot of people chip in and it's just counterproductive because you just waste time managing people's opinions and i guess that's just like people's egos trying to feel like they need to say things and you need to have their input like i find that a lot in commercials um when you work with agencies agencies you're lovely people but you know sometimes you know you all have your own opinion and you know just because you're being asked you know in an email thread that you've been like cc'd in with like 10 other people doesn't mean you need to give like a you know your your say because sometimes that is just super super unhelpful basically shut the fuck up and let the professionals (laughs) do their work (laughs) no i don't i don't want to be so so upfront about it but you know sometimes yeah no of course i mean i think that happens you know in all walks of life there's always going to be opinions people have different visions for things especially if you're working with talent as well you know at the end of the day this is their face on the front of it so i'm sure there's going to be some part of them that is like kind of a bit controlling over the yeah, whole thing because yeah, it's yeah, their of image course. and i guess trust is kind of the foundations of any good relationship mm-hmm. work love whatever um but in those sorts of situations for anyone that's kind of like up and coming in the industry do you, would you have any advice any tips that you've learned along the way of how to best manage people and how to kind of like navigate those situations to avoid any kind of friction yeah for sure um it would be to pick your battles mm-hmm. um not every battle is yours to win and nor is it yours to fight and so sometimes you just need to take a step back let the director producer hash it out with whoever and then you move kind of thing but then other times that is worth it is worth fighting over and it's like if you really saw like one this shot going a certain way and it's vital to the story to the look to the feel you know stand up for yourself you know say no hang on this is what i think and what I think matters, which is hard to do because, you know, on a film set, just there's so much going on at the same time. And like, you know, you don't want to be like another like reason why it's being like kind of slow. But at the end of the day, you know, you're on that film set for a reason and your opinion is valid, but you just have to work out and kind of pick your moments about it. Have you ever um, struggled with imposter syndrome? um it's a good question yeah i think i think i think so yeah like and like i think i think we all do um like i'm thinking kind of in terms of these moments when you are on set and it is you know your time to step up and have have your say is there ever that sort of feeling of like well am i kind of qualified enough is there that level of doubt yeah for sure i think 
that always happens um it always happens but i don't know like in in a weird way i feel like i've kind of earned it i've done like a lot of hustling over these last years and like so much free work like so much that like i feel confident within my own skill set and within my own person and within the work that i have made where i can approach situations and you know some daunting situations and be like look this is going to be okay like you've done this you're with good people they're going to carry you through if you fail they will carry you through kind of thing um and so yeah i feel like in in a non-egotistical way i feel the odds are stacked in my favor if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um so i don't really i don't have those moments where i do freak out and like you know sometimes you'll catch me and like maybe working with a big artist or there's so much pressure to get this one shot and then then you might see me like sweat a little bit but no like generally i feel quite comfortable with what i've done and and you know what i can do yeah and i also guess those are the moments that really prove to you that you are like you do know what you're doing and you are worthy of where you're at because if you go into a situation with so much um expectation and pressure and you still manage to completely like do it so much justice then when you come back and you reflect that's the moment to be like if i'm ever feeling stressed you know i managed to do that yeah and and that's kind of reassurance in and of itself exactly yeah i feel like i've I've achieved a lot and you know that that helps you kind of with confidence and yeah it kind of stacks the odds in your favor when when you're going up for another job or whatever and um to be fair like another point is that i'm i'm never on my own i always have a team and team is like the most valuable thing a, a person like me could could ever want because i know they will have my back anytime and it's not just me if it was all on me then i would be worried because i'd be like oh i would have forgot this and whatever and, but when you have a team and you have a, a group of people all pushing in the same direction all wanting that same goal you're fine honestly like it's all it's, it's about finding your team and putting trust and respect in them and they'll always they'll always come through. So are you able to select who you work with or is it at the mercy of the director? Um most yeah, most of the time it, uh, I I do select my crew. Um and I have a great like pool of people that I I select. Um mainly you know even some people that I went to university with and are now still working with and we maybe graduated in like 2016, so like a a while ago. A while ago now sorry um yeah so like so a while ago and you know it's nice to be still working with those people and you know it's like i said i already have relationships with them so i don't need to go over to them and tell them to get the camera ready like if i do that if i go over the camera's already set and like it's already with the lens that i want the the filters that i want because or a because communicated beforehand that this is the rundown but b they know what i want and you know i think when it comes to picking crew um you have to firstly you have to be good at your job obviously but yeah you know i think um craig said this on on a podcast on one of these previous podcasts it's like there comes a point where everyone kind of knows what they're doing and then you kind of pick crew and the people you want with uh, like solely down to their them and their personality and whether they fit the job or if you you might 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 need um 
you know, to be quite sensitive with crew. If it's a sensitive subject matter or if you're filming a certain scene, you might need certain crew who you know are going to pull through and um, be there and like think on their feet a little bit. And so, yeah, crew is, um, yeah, be good at your job, but also just be a nice person. Yeah, get on with people, chat to people, like, you know, take take note of their interests. And like, I'm not saying be be you know fake friend like fake a friendship or anything like that but like just talk to people and um yeah i think it it goes a long way especially when you're when when you're on set and times are tough you need people who know that that are going to be there for you and who are gonna you know maybe crack a joke at the right time lift the mood you know it's it's more than just a skill it's kind of a it's the energies all combining together and that's kind of you know that's the that's that's the best thing ever really yeah i bet it's such like a magic feeling when things are going smoothly you're surrounded by people that you trust and that you really admire their work as well like that just must be one of the best feelings um ever so yeah i want to talk about your work because like i said i stalked your instagram and you know we're pals now i know i know your work history um and there's some pretty cool there's some pretty cool names on there. Yeah, there are. Um, so let's talk about the Nux and Laurel Kana sure music thing. video. Sure. Because before I even knew you, I was a fan of the video. Now, and now, oh, nice. and now I know you. I'm Sick. meeting the person that, you know, director of photography did, if yeah. that's what you say. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, so how did that come about, first and foremost? Um, so yeah, that video, um, that was a good one. That came. That was a landmark shoot for so many reasons. How did that come about? So that was with a director called Director Alex. Um, been working with him for some time now. Hopefully need to get him on the podcast soon. He's quite uh, an elusive... Yes, there we go. Jody's telling you to come on, Alex. We're coming for you. But um, yeah, he's very, uh, you know, mysterious man to some. Like not on, sh- not on the socials too much. Um, but I think people see his work and recognize greatness. Um... So yeah, that was, to be fair, I think that was kind of one of the first jobs that I did with Lex. Maybe that might have been the second or third job that I did, but felt like the first big one that that I did with him. Um, And yeah, it was quite a bit of a a ragtag shoot in a sense because there wasn't much budget, um, as as is the music video world. Um, But yeah, we kind of shot it all... um, on an estate uh, in Highbury, kind of very close to Clissold Park for the people that live in Stokey. Um, we shot it all on this estate and then we shot it at a chicken shop in Fins- Finsbury Park. Um, and it was just, yeah, it it just, everything kind of aligned on that shoot. And it was one of those magical moments where when we were filming it, we knew it was going to be something special. Yeah. Um, but we didn't know how special and obviously when the video came out, it got a mad reception and people still know that video to this day. And it's kind of rare for like music videos to have that like kind of test of time, even though it was like three years ago, it's the way things roll these days is as a music video coming out every day. And it's cool for people to, to still recognize that. Yeah. Um, but obviously it was a landmark shoot um, because it was kind of my first time working with Lex and our relationship has grown leaps and bounds since then. Um, secondly, it was with two artists with which I loved, mm-hmm. like Nux, he's a G, but like Loyal as well. Like I'd, I'd known Loyal Kana for a while and like before 
I think I even moved to to London, and so the fact that I could shoot with him was wicked. And the weird thing was, I ended up shooting with him the following week after, and then like, yeah, it was cool just chatting with him because obviously you kind of recognised me and stuff. And I was like, oh, and we're just kind of chatting a bit. Um, yeah, it, it 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 was just one of those shoots where everything all just kind of came together. Like the styling was great; it fitted the location we were in. Um, I managed to get like a massive favor on this big zoom lens, which basically was the style and kind of stamp on the video. And that, and the video was d definitely more of like a, a fashion editorial kind of vibe rather than a classic rap music video on the block. Yeah. And so I really liked it because it kind of, it was on the block and it was a rap video, but it felt very, very different to what you would expect that uh, kind of genre of song and visuals would would look like um and obviously the subject matter to the song i think it just hit at the right time with like the blm movement and um people being represented and i think it was just it, everything just came together for that for that shoot and yeah you know people loved it um it looked great for, like for for my portfolio shooting with these kind of big artists it looking the way it did but you know, it just having I think that video just had gravity and like it still has gravity. And it's like, a great song as well, which it's a, I think it's, yeah, yeah, always helps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know yeah, yeah, that's that's another point. I think people know that song through the video and um, know the video through the song and those two are combined. And like when you're making music videos, that's what you strive for. And it's so rare that you listen to a song and think of the video and it's it's one of those magic magic moments of the two just work so nicely together yeah for sure that's actually such a lovely way to put it and and i guess that's when things stand out because like you say and this is actually something i wanted to talk about there are especially with the music industry at the moment you know like music is being flung out left right and center there's obviously this huge um change and shift in the industry with with the rise of tiktok and having to get that sort of like earworm worthy moment and do you find that kind of video follow is like trying to chase that format because obviously that's what is kind of selling at the moment and does it impact the way that like the process of the way that the art is produced if that makes sense like are you feeling a change in your own work or are you trying to fight a change in your own work and sort of stick to your learnings and your the way that you know the way that you were taught if yeah that makes for sure sense? yeah a hundred percent it's changing um it's becoming less art and more content, uh -huh. um, which is fine. That, that's that, that's just the way things move. Um, but yeah, it. But then it puts us filmmakers in a weird position because we can no longer really make the things that we want to make in the style. Um, in my eyes, like yeah, we're we're no longer producing art, and it's just fast content you know like you have fast fashion now it's fast content kind of thing and it takes away from like the you know hours of work you would put into like making like a i don't know like a louis vuitton jacket and like going with something for, from boohoo and it's like it's like that kind of thing yeah, yeah yeah it's a good way to put it um and so yeah us as filmmakers we have to adapt to that situation because otherwise we will not be in work um I think you, it's so new that no one really kind of knows what to do. Even these big companies don't know what to do with TikTok and like 
I got bought on to, uh, for a Mont Blanc shoot last week and I was shooting TikTok, <laughs> the TikToks on it, even though there was like a fashion film going on. I was there shooting the TikToks, which... And when you say you were shooting the TikToks, were you literally stood there with an iPhone? No, no, no. I with cameras? I, with, a, okay, with a big camera. I always think <laughs> surely they're still shooting it on, on a big camera because, you know, the production still looks good quality yeah, even though it's yeah. on a TikTok. But I think almost the fact that it's a short form, a short format makes you think less of the production if that makes sense yeah yeah i don't mean that in like a bad way i mean mm. it in as in like there's less um people are spending less time on it and so there's no thought there of yeah. what might have gone into it yeah yeah like, yeah like i said it's like fast content and with fast content it's usually mindless like it, it's just something to catch your attention quickly yeah. and then boom on to the next one and like that's that's the system we work in and unfortunately like that you can't do much if the system di dictates that you can't do much but then you know every now and then there will be a mold breaker and there will be someone that kind of merges the two and yeah like kind of kind of going back i think that's where us filmmakers need to get creative because things are always ever changing um but it's up to you to change with it if if you don't you're going to get left behind and you know if you do you'll catch that and ride that wave and so you know you need to be open-minded to the processes and the way in which you do things and um i guess you've got to adapt basically yeah because also it must be a difficult situation because in some situations people that don't follow the trends are then the ones that stand out but then equally you're gonna miss out on work if you don't follow the trends mm -hmm. to an extent so yeah, it's kind of sure. like a no man's land of yeah and like, the unknown basically. yeah and i think you know you can you can always kind of stand with your own ideas and do things a certain way and like people do that and i'll recognize for that but for the majority you'll need to adapt um i'm just trying to think of like an example of someone kind of sticking like maybe like a damien hurst he he does his like formaldehyde work and he's stuck with that but then like you've got this whole nft thing coming through to be fair of which he jumped on as well and so it's like you know you have to be aware of what what is going on and at the end of the day it is a business and you can't always be making art like for yourself mm -hmm. in your own way because that that's not the system we work in you know creatives and filmmakers need to have one eye open to the game but one eye on their own kind of creative message and what they want to say um and then i think that's when it says a lot about a person when they can merge the two and cross that bridge and make people stop and be like oh that's cool that's new like oh i like how did they do that and you know it's being creative in that space and kind of conforming but also crossing those bridges at the same time yeah you've raised some interesting points and i want to make sure i don't forget sure. any of I, them. I, I hope i'm making sense no no in I'm my head you. i'm a bit like what am i saying but yeah so overwhelming being the interview yeah yeah it's actually it's a bit crazy also <laughs> i've i've thrown your feng shui off because you normally sit here yeah yeah mm -hmm. and i've taken your seat yeah and it's so true. maybe maybe the vibes are just off for your brain um no you know it's all good as long as i'm making sense but you're making um, sense well i'm understanding what okay, you're saying okay cool cool films are no longer widescreen they're, they're they're vertical and um yeah you kind of have to move with the times and and get down with it really yeah yeah if you if you snooze you lose yeah, yeah as the yeah, saying yeah, exactly. goes 
Um, so you also touched on the fact that you have to have one eye on the game whilst also trying to like develop your own style. And something that we discussed because in our sort of pre-telephone call um, before now is the fact that you, and I, I hope you don't mind me exposing this. You can no, cut that's it out fine, that's do, fine. But yeah, that you yeah. do also exposed. do. <laughs> Toby Lear exposed. On, on your own <laughs> podcast as well. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, no, it's not. It's not a big expose. You do shoot corporate videos, and it's not yeah. something that you are necessarily going to post on your socials mm-hmm. because it's not particularly exciting for you creatively, and perhaps it's not particularly exciting for the people that follow you. But it is. A, it is the reality of making a living off of being a creative. There are going to be some jobs that are maybe less interesting but pay high, and I think it is maybe a bit of a. A misillusion, is that a word? Misillusion? I, th- I think so. I'm really bad at English. I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> misillusion. That you can... Essentially, even the creative industry is a business and there are going to be elements of it that are going to be slightly um, more boring. And is it kind of like giving people false hope? They're kind of trying to chase this idea that they want to be a creative and you know they want to live this really exciting, glamorous lifestyle. And that's actually not what it is always like you know there are going to be low budget productions which are going to be highlights of your career i.e like the nux thing but you know it probably wasn't all glamour and then there's also going to be times when you are just shooting a corporate video what is like your reality of yeah. your job with with social media you can make yourself look a certain way we see that with ig models like you know all these people and obviously you can do that within your own career and i think film is a big one um uh instagram is used a lot with film to showcase your work to showcase you're busy in a sense um but even when you're not busy (laughs) um and yeah you can kind of fake it a little bit um obviously everyone's kind of guilty uh to a sense um but yeah i don't post the jobs that i don't think are worthy but that's don't think that's a bad thing i think that's just me kind of curating my career and the way i want to be perceived um and kind of curating my my future job um prospects in a way it's like if someone sees that i shoot a certain video they're like they're going to want me to shoot that video again so i'm not going to be posting all about like kind of the corporate work i do because i don't want to be doing that <laughs> um you know maybe just to also backtrack a little bit i don't do too much corporate work right now okay um i did a lot coming up i don't do it now i'm very lucky i can be quite selective with my work um and luckily kind of um fund my career via low budget music videos and and now commercial work which tends to be a bit bigger budget but you know um kind of going back maybe to this mont blanc shoot that i shot the tiktok content for it's like i don't shoot tiktok content and like I don't want to be known as the guy who does that, but I, you know, um, that's the way things are moving. And they were like, "Are we going to pay you this much?" And I was like, "Yeah, cool, like sweet." Um, and so, you know, you know, I'm happy, happy to admit that it, it wasn't a work of art, but it was a fun shoot. Um, they were shooting like a fashion film alongside, and kind of new people there, and so went along, and I, I really enjoyed it because it was almost a bit carefree the way in which I was shooting. Usually there's so much pressure on me to get this shot, to get that shot. And they were like, he didn't care about the TikTok. They're like, yeah, just, just, just shoot it. And I was like, all right, cool. So I kind of rocked up yeah. on a bit of a, a bit of a whim and shot it and then went home and earned a decent amount for it. And so 
you know when kind of operating in the film or any creative world you're always going to have those jobs where um the corporate jobs or the not like the kind of more corporate businessy jobs where you earn more money but it's less creative and then you'll have the creative jobs which are way more creative and probably what you want to be doing but there's almost no slash low pay kind of kind of thing and so it's a balance between the two um and obviously you're probably going to be shouting about one more than the other yeah um because that's kind of what you want to do um but yeah it's you know it's a game and you have to balance it you have to work it out and you know you you need to earn money at the end of the day and you shouldn't feel bad about doing jobs that you might not kind of align with what you want to be doing but you know one day you'll get there yeah exactly and I think it's really interesting this whole idea of like I almost think in society without getting too deep we're very like (laughs) we're very polarized all the time it's like you know one end of the one end of the spectrum people think showing pure pure highlights is damaging it's it's sort of almost false advertising of who you are say you're a model you're only posting your best photos and then on the other hand, there's like, you know, be really open, open about everything and blah, blah, blah. But actually, at the end of the day, there is a middle ground. There is a gray area. And also, like, like you were saying, you don't want to attract the type of work that you actually don't want to be doing, if that makes sense. Like you, you should be able to curate the personality and, the, you know, your own style to, to people without being criticized for the fact that you're not being totally honest about actually where you're like where you're earning your money or mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like it's, yeah for sure it and feels like there's judgment both ways yeah yeah and like I the probably I owe my career to the corporate work that I did when I first moved to London and first started because without that there, w- there would have been no way for me to survive and so you know you got to do what you got to do to to get where you want to go um and yeah you shouldn't have any regrets about that and like yeah. I, I don't like that funded my my uh early career living in london and like the, some of the corporate jobs corporate jobs are actually quite fun and like or, well not fun in a sense <laughs> of like filming fun it was more of like it was just quite funny to witness like the way in which the corporate world is <laughs> and it's weird yeah and yeah it was very very it was very it was entertaining more than fun i should put it that way mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's weird. It's difficult being a young person living in London. Like I did a um, I did a catering job for like this corporate thing. Like after work one day, and it it was an eye opener. Yeah, it's, you know, oh, was it like the int- waiting? Yeah, yeah. I did that. I did one, and I was like, nah, really, yeah, not again. But, like it just I was wasn't... giving, I was serving them really nice canapes that were yeah. made by some decent chefs, and they were looking at me like I was giving them a dead cat or something. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, it's a whole, it's a whole other world. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, I did that. I did that. You have to find your feet in this industry and that can be via like a bar job or or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, whatever it is, you need to do what you need to do. Um, <laughs> I've even considered Uber driving at times. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad I've considered it as well. Um, but yeah, like, you know, um, if you get to that stage and you, you, you need to do you need to do that you know there's there, there's no shame in that there is you know if anything you might enjoy that process and like i think the events that happen in your life are there for a reason mm-hmm. and you can learn from anything that you do and it molds you as a person um and so 
I wouldn't be where I am today without kind of doing all those, you know, crappy jobs or whatever. Um, and yeah, you you know, you understand yourself by by going through these things. Yeah, for sure. So coming back to work that you've produced, yeah, you have also worked on a like fashion video for Jaded, yeah, that you were nominated for an award. Yeah, for. yeah, I was. Yeah. So how does it work with the whole award situation? Like, do you nominate yourself or <laughs> yeah, does someone else basically. nominate? Okay. Yeah. So so um, I don't have an agent. I'm not signed. Um, Is that a conscious decision or it just hasn't kind of worked out? Um, it hasn't worked out yet, but um, you know, conscious to a point. Um. Although, um, a little secret, um, a few of them have started to email me and I'm going for some meetings very soon, which is all very exciting. Um, obviously they've seen work and the work, my work and they like it. And yeah, it's definitely an aim of mine to get signed maybe by the end of the year or, or next year, but, um, I'm in no rush, mm -hmm. um, to do that. Um, I just think it's all quite exciting. Um, and so, yeah. Obviously, being freelance, you have to be your own champion and um, you have to submit your own work to these awards because you don't have an agent to do it on your behalf. And it's usually the agents that will push you to submit um, and to like, well, they'll either do it for you um, or they'll, they'll probably know someone if they're a good agent, they'll know someone on the panel and be like, look, take a look at this work or, you know, foot in the door kind of thing. Um, but yeah, when it came to that, it was a shoot for Jaded London. Um, it was for their Neutrals collection, which is like a bunch of tracksuits. I think there were five different colors and like black, orange, or all the other colors. Um, but yeah, basically that was a fashion film all shot on a Moco rig, which is a robot arm. And Oh my gosh, yes, you said this. Yeah, and it's like a little like... Um, we put you put a camera on the end of a robot arm and you program all of these movements um in the computer and then put it in the right position and press play and then it'll move from this point to this point it doing it various speeds whatever um and so it takes a lot of prep to to get to that point where you can press play and so no one gets battered over the head yeah exactly by, exactly by the yeah exactly so is, what is the benefit like what's the value of using a robot is it a specific style that they were after uh yeah um so basically the concept of the video originally the director wanted to build five boxes all on top of each other mm -hmm. like five rooms box rooms sorry on top of each other um and he wanted the camera to move from start in go into one come out go into the other up, up and then go all the way up but there was no nowhere near enough budget to facilitate like a structural build mm -hmm. <laughs> five boxes on top of each oh, other essentially a building yeah 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 um and so the way in which we got around that was to use um was to use transitions and it was like the wipe transition when when you were in box one the camera would come out wipe past the the top and then you'd be technically in the and you'd stitch it and be be coming out the bottom of the next one and so that's kind of how we did it um and yeah you you we really needed a moco arm for that there was no other way we could move a, the camera like that um in and out so quickly and transition at a point where it would then meet and stitch correctly into the into the next scene and so that was very needs to be very very specific and there was no other way can't do that handheld can't do that with a steady cam can't redo that with a crane 
you'd have to do it with a robot arm that would hit that point every single time and you you have to be so precise so precise so that yeah. you can cut you can stitch it you don't even really need to vfx it you just stitch it cut it in the edit and it will go seamlessly into the next scene kind of thing that's really cool and so yeah i mean like le- did you learn to use robots at uni no <laughs> how how do you no. learn how do you learn um, to use a robot it's a good question. Um, so I didn't use it. I didn't like program it personally. We got on shout out G6 Moco up in Manchester, um, Rami and Kane and Andy. That's it, Andy, Andy. So Rami, K- Kane and Andy. Um, these guys kind of came down. Um, I've worked, Luckily, I've worked with them before, but they came down from Manchester um, kind of the night before, bought their robot in a, in a truck and we we did a lot of prep work on that we did a previs which was like in a computer and it was like very rough low res version so like a simulation of yeah, what it was yeah, going to look like basically a yeah simulation of what it was going to look like um and then we kind of did some tweaks and that was a process in itself but we probably did that like 2 weeks before the shoot and then come the shoot day um everything was basically in order um we just needed everything to be in that space at the right time and yeah luckily it was like shout out everyone on 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 that job and hensman my guy of course um he did the art direction and built all these sets um well really was a production designer and built all these sets and it was mental like we would shoot in one set then move to the other and then whilst we're shooting in one one would be in deconstructed and like getting out but it was such a tight ship and, how come why why what was the rush um because we had to be out of the studio at a certain time and so like if we would have left this d-rig at the end of the day we wouldn't have been out on time and so it was just it was such a slick operation and it really was it was so bare bones that shoot there was no production company no real producer ryan the producer kind of ryan the director sorry produced it himself mm-hmm. and so there was no real kind of infrastructure to that shoot it's like basically me ryan and Ant all coming together sticking our heads together and just just working it out and yeah you know that's a that's that's a that's a task in itself because usually you need a producer to help you do a lot of the stuff that you need to do but you know we just felt so strongly about what we were trying to do and felt it was it was innovative and and it hadn't been done before of which it really hadn't and the funny thing is since that shoot i've now seen that type of video done be done by people so that it's obviously being referenced and obviously yeah. has like like the the nuts and law kind of one has gravity and obviously people were attracted to that and try and replicate it but obviously can't replicate as well as we did so of course not <laughs> that would never be possible um in terms of that's actually kind of an interesting talking point in and of itself is being inspired without copying and you know figuring out your own style obviously you're taking influence from what you see no one thinks up something out of thin air really how do you go about finding inspiration and sort of taking from it what you need without it ever being there to kind of bite you in the ass down the line someone saying you've copied this or whatever yeah um it's a good question where like i i get inspired by everything really um it's the it it's the moments of my life that have led me all to this point have inspired me or molded me in 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 like the way i am um but when it comes to like kind of 
I don't know. You can you can kind of split that question into two, really. It's like where like where where do I find inspiration myself? But it's like where do you find inspiration for shoots? And like you know, and so let I'll start with the second one, which is like where where do you find inspiration for like the shoots that I'm on? It's like because that game is a bit messy at the moment. It's a bit um, copy and paste kind of job from different creatives. You know they obviously see something they like and they're like, oh yeah, let's just do that. And you know, they just rip the idea and that happens so much these days. Um, and you know, you'd like to think they would take that idea and make it their own. But unfortunately, like the game that we're in is, isn't, it's crazy. And you see a lot of things over and over and over again. Um, and it's quite funny when someone does something original, you start to see it crop up everywhere and you're like, Ugh, like come on guys like it's crazy yeah you're like come on like we're supposed to be creative but you know i guess that that's the industry wanting things and it moving so quickly that you have to be reproducing and producing things all there's the time there's no time to even give it too much thought it's yeah, like yeah. okay that's great we'll run with it exactly kind of yeah and you know half of the you know well not half pretty much all of these music videos you know um uh, a commissioner will probably email a director and be like can we have a treatment by the end of the day or like midday um and you're like okay well can i not know like a bit about you know what you want first and then kind of curate an idea around that it's like no we want to see your treatment your treatment your treatment and it's like when you when when you're kind of in a system like that you have you know there's no space to be original and think out of the box you always have to like maybe take that reference that you saw last night on Instagram be like, oh, we could do something about that. And yeah. it's, it's you know, th there's no room to, to essentially kind of be original or, you know, you kind of have to be original in your time off <laughs> more, more, more than on the job uh, these days and kind of have an original, uh, an original idea in your back pocket almost. And then you kind of, you know, bring that out. Um, but yeah, like, for, but then for me, being original and taking inspiration um i have to switch off from everything i have to not look on my phone mm -hmm. i have to not like look on the internet like just be within my own person and then i kind of find i find myself and i find what i don't like and what i do like and like if i do like a drawing be like oh that was cool or like did like one mark be like yeah that was sick and when another mark be like oh no i don't like that i don't like the way you know i think that's kind of how i stay original um is by kind of being within my own person and not getting distracted too much yeah i was gonna say like it's almost as though you have to take inspiration from the things that don't directly relate to your industry for instance i don't know would it be like a, the way a bird flies or whatever and yeah, then yeah, that's yeah. how the camera the way, moves the or... way a building looks or yeah whatever yeah 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 you're so right i really like how you put that it's you have to find inspiration in things that yeah you're not directly working on mm. um that's yeah that's actually a really good point because it can definitely interrupt your own creativity if you because we're 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 constantly consuming content mm -hmm. like constantly and so how can your brain have any time to like think about what it likes if it's just being you know yeah fed so being, much information being blindsided by all of this noise yeah it's so true it's so true and that and to be honest with you uh, that's something i don't 
actively do enough. I was going to say, have you done any sort of like getaways on your own in the woods, cabin vibes? You know, what's who's that singer? There's a singer that wrote a whole album. I would like to. I would like to. And I'd find that whole process really interesting if I did that. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know. I almost create too much at the moment that if I did that, I probably wouldn't create. I would just chill. Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? (laughs) It's like when... Most people's creativity comes out when they're not even thinking about being creative. Like, there's nothing worse than saying, okay, well, I'm going to go on this holiday to be creative and make an album because yeah. you're not going to be creative. Can't, yeah, you can't force it sometimes, can no. you? But it's like, like a, I shower, would... a shower job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But like, I would be really interested in that. And I think in order to do that, I would need to take a month off or two months off and then go out this cabin, this said cabin, and find myself, kind of, you know, kind of thing. I think you'd. I would just need to give myself time. I wouldn't. I wouldn't b- block off a week and be like, "I'm going to go out there and make a painting," because I would probably resent it, yeah. and I, I w- it would seem forced to me. Um, and so, yeah, I in for me to do that, I'd probably block off a month, two months, go out there, and kind of create within my own time. And that's kind of when you hit find find yourself in a sense and hit those you know gold moments of like look no one's telling me to do this but i feel inspired to do it today Mm -hmm. and i think that's where originality comes from it's not forcing it it's being there and looking around and having an eye open and being like no this is cool i'm gonna make something yeah for sure it's like allowing yourself the the space to just think outside of the box essentially can't put pressure on that yeah definitely and then to be fair kind of going back to the original question like what inspires me yeah everything inspires me like music specifically i think music has so much inspiration in it and so much meaning so much kind of feels basically Mm -hmm. um you know as soon as you listen to a track you know whether you're going to like it or not and like whether you're going to press the skip button or you're going to you know press the repeat button you know kind of thing and yeah music's been a big one um and the way in which like certain artists then hold themselves and present present themselves to the world i find that super inspiring because it's not just obviously music is a is a chunk of them but then i go and research them and look into them and like wow this guy's like a stand-up guy or like wow this guy like took took risks all his life and yeah just generally find that super inspiring yeah for sure i think sometimes you just need that little nudge to see that someone else has done it and succeeded with it to kind of allow yourself to take risk or you know try an alternative path and speaking of alternative paths i just gave myself the most perfect segue let's talk about your other baby the trenches hey the trenches come Come on come on come on (laughs) um cool so yeah um i'm glad we're talking about it because the trenches came about um for multiple reasons really firstly i kind of saw a bit of a gap in the market for it um i saw no one was having these conversations openly in front of people and like I kind of put myself in a position when I first started out in in the industry I knew no one um none of my family were in creative industries my mom's a teacher my dad sells mattresses and so there's not you know there's no creative or film link in there um and so you know as a young boy wanted to come into, into the industry I was like where do I turn you know you know and I think just to have this kind of uh, information that is it, that is accessible is invaluable and like I would have loved to have tuned in and listened to these 
people who are in the industry talk about their journey, how they got in, what they like, what they don't like, and, you know, just generally get a feeling of what the industry is like. Um, it's like insider information. You're basically allowing people to spy on the industry without having to step foot in it. Yeah, and like, yeah, I don't want, like... Because I, I do feel the film industry is quite a private industry um, and a lot of it is is behind closed doors. Um, obviously, people need their privacy, um, especially if you're working with artists or people doing cool, creative things. You know, you're going to want to keep things secret and under wraps. But there comes a point where I, people's egos get too involved and they think they're better. And it's just like, no, we're all in... We're all human we're all in the same place we, we were all definitely in the same boat at one point um why not be open and transparent about it um and then yes secondly um i a, a, a real pet peeve of mine is kind of going on instagram and kind of seeing work or like seeing other people's work which is great but ultimately it kind of brings you down mm -hmm. and people look so busy on Instagram and post their work. Yeah. Like I said, which is, which is great and it's good for them, but it starts to affect me and other people. Like it definitely started to affect me when I was seeing my peers doing all you know, doing great things or, or people who, um, you know, people who would get signed before me and I'd be like, Oh my God, like, why aren't I signed? Why aren't I doing this job? That's such a difficult thing to admit as well. Sorry to interrupt you. That's, but that's all right. Like to admit, because ultimately you're happy for your friends and you're happy for your peers, but you know, we are all humans and it, it can make you feel disheartened. And I think some people might be judgmental of the fact that that's how, like that you're so open about feeling that way. Mm -hmm. But actually I think it's probably a very common experience. Even when you're doing big jobs and you just finish like this big job, you might go on Instagram and see someone who's doing a bigger job and you're like, oh man, like what? I didn't shoot on film, they're shooting on film. And it's, you know, you're always going to compare yourself at the end of the day even though it's your own journey and every every journey and story is completely different i felt social media within the film industry was pushing in one direction and i didn't like where it was going um and so i kind of realized how toxic that was and can be toxic to people especially young people coming up and i was like no i need to use this platform for something good to do good and that's kind of how the trenches was kind of born because I didn't want to, I didn't want myself to be posting work and making other people feel bad. So I'm like, what else can I post? What else can I do? And it's like, post these clips about people talking about the industry. That's way more helpful and like intuitive to someone who first is starting out or even someone who is currently in the film industry. That's what, like, that is such a, a flip compared to hey this is me this is my film this is what i've done look at me it's no this is me this is my journey this is what i've learned and it's sharing that knowledge and it just it 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 flips it on its head almost um the way in which people you know go on social media and like social media is just so toxic and so flashy and it's you know just i just wanted to do something against the grain and do something good yeah i mean it definitely comes across like i said even in the name mm -hmm. you're sort of spelling it out it's like yeah i am you well you're not saying this directly this is my interpretation but i think you're a successful person but even you acknowledge that it is the trenches like it's not easy 
and it's never going to be easy. <laughs> it's not easy, no. No. <laughs> but um, but but yeah, that's that's definitely um, yeah. I just felt super strongly about that um, and the way in which it, it first hand first handedly made me feel. And I was like, oh, look, well, if I'm feeling like this, other people are going to feel like this, and like it's it's definitely been a thing throughout my whole career of comparing myself to other people and you know you, you don't get over it but you can make it better and maybe don't post about that work and and post about your story and advice and you know different content but it's just, it's it's the same thing really but it's just not making that other person on the end on the receiving end feel bad bad about themselves yeah for sure i think it's also like it's such a competitive industry. People like to keep their cards really close to their chest. And so, like you say, there's not a lot of information about people's experiences or even just like actual, like the technicalities of things. And so you're kind of just pulling back the curtain and being like, you know, we're here. We're not afraid that you're going to come and steal our jobs. Like, listen, take from it what you will and then, you know, be on your merry way. Being freelance, you are pitched against each other and it's you versus you. It's like, I, like, I rarely meet other DOPs like I've started to through the trenches and mm -hmm. I'm like okay cool we're actually all all kind of in the same boat here um otherwise it can be pretty you know you resenting this one person who's got all the work and yeah like we're all in the same boat you know and it's it's been great to chat to other DPs about work um have you learned stuff oh yeah 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 I found this whole process very enriching um just through the art of conversation like in a sense like you don't meet up with people just to have a conversation these days you meet up with someone to go for a drink or you know watch a film or whatever and it's like you don't or yeah you just don't sit down and chat um and i guess yeah it's kind of like therapy you know <laughs> like it's you know we're all we've all got issues and you know issues about the industry and whatever but if we all come together and chat about it you know we can only walk away walk away from it feeling better about ourselves mm -hmm. i totally agree so i've got two final questions for you one is how would you define your style filmically and also is there any kind of advice that you would give to someone that is starting out mm. um my style i don't know i don't think i have too much of a style um you might be able to tell me more about my style than, yeah. than me because obviously you kind of need a second eye don't yeah you? yeah like obviously it, it's how it's perceived by by people um yeah i don't know i i wouldn't say i have too much of a style um i like contrast and dark images like my <laughs> my girlfriend will be able to back that up because i always take really dark images of her and she goes why is it so dark i'm like because it looks good like and is she like my face isn't even visible <laughs> yeah 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 she, yeah i was like because you're in the shadows and it, lo it looks sick it's like it's like the latest batman film for anyone that's seen that was super dark but i loved that holy actually. crap that was sick is that the one with zoe kravitz in it yeah oh she's amazing yeah yeah and like that whole film looked amazing and looked different i hadn't seen a film that looked like that mainly you know it was so dark but it it aided the story and it aided that world that it was in and i was like cool that's a bit of me you know um, <laughs> did you show it to your girlfriend for like yeah I reference do, of your of your story? yeah 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 i do i do and to be fair i i regularly watch that over and over again to be fair it's so sick yeah um but yeah i don't know i don't really have a style and i think if you do have a style as a dop that's great for you people will come to you for that style which is great but i don't know i wouldn't 
I wouldn't like to have too much of a strong style, to be honest, because that's not what, like, I am. Um, I think my style is less aesthetics and more, like, personality and... Like, process, process and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my style is about being open, thinking on your feet, um chatting to people on a level asking those questions like about oh you know what 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 do you think about this what light do you want what lens do you want um it's not really aesthetics in my eyes i don't think which is quite a weird answer because people would assume that but yeah i i pride myself just on my ability to kind of think on my feet and i think being on set you really need that um because things change all the time and if you approach it in the right attitude and in the right way and have an open mind you can get things done um but you know maybe aesthetics wise you know maybe a bit grungy a bit gritty i think i like i shoot a lot of rap videos or i think a lot of people know me for rap videos and so yeah no someone said you make rap videos high fashion so that's probably what a lovely thing for someone to say style yeah yeah but you know i don't someone said that and i was like oh cool i don't know no, first of all i was like oh that's really cool and then kind of came away from it being like wait do, do people just think i shoot rap videos <laughs> like, I, I shoot way more than that the um, overthinking kicks yeah, in. yeah 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 and so i guess recently i have been trying to maybe say no to the classic rap video and push my career in other ways yeah and any advice um, and any advice to people? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Um, or what is, maybe let's rephrase it. What is a piece of advice that has helped you in your career that someone gave you? Sure. Um, to be fair, I don't think anyone's given me, <laughs> given me top like, advice. <laughs> Good luck. Just do with it what you will. Um, You're great. <laughs> no, I guess... I guess this isn't really a career thing, but um, my parents have always kind of preached that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. So I think that would probably be my general kind of advice. Everything happens for a reason. You don't need to rush things. Things will happen um, or things won't happen. Um, And it was all for the reason. Yeah, yeah. And, And it's, you know, that reason might not be apparent in that moment, but it will come to fruition at some point any advice I would give to to younger filmmakers or people just starting out is meet people experiment don't give a fuck go out there do it don't listen to anyone else like take that risk because that risk will probably pay off if you put enough time and effort and heart into it that risk will pay off and take those risks honestly like I would not be here today without taking risks and you just have to think fuck it and you have to like in that process people are going to laugh people are going to be like oh why are you why are you doing that why are you doing this or like oh haha look at that guy don't don't care about that don't care because people will forget about it so quickly but people also want to be your best friend when you make it or you know i've had i like when i was when i was a kid i had you know didn't have much confidence and i really let that affect me and then it was only until i started learning that you shouldn't care it's that's when things started going well and I think, yeah, that, that should just be, that's, that's probably my top advice. Just don't care. Just go out and do it. Go get it. It is so funny when, like, as you get older and people 
they start noticing, you know, the hard work that's paying off and those that were kind of critical in the beginning mm-hmm. then want to be your best friend. They all come back around, don't mm-hmm. they? Which yeah. is quite funny. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm all up for that, like... I'm all up for. You seem like a laid back guy. You yeah, don't hold yeah. grudges. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, it is what it is. And yeah, I'm going to keep cracking on, you know. Keep charging. Yeah, exactly. Cool. But yeah, all right, cool. Well, yeah, thanks for all those questions. No worries. Sorry if it was a bit overwhelming. No, 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 no. You're all good. I feel sorry for the people having to listen to my ramble. I feel like I rambled a bit, but I hope you've all found it helpful. Um, but Jody, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Thank um, you for agreeing to it. No, no, no. Um, was there any plugs that you want to give to the people? The podcast Instagram is at a place to ponder. My personal social media is at underscore Jody Powell. And I'm also dabbling in a bit of photography right now. So I'm going to plug my photography account. Oh, wicked. wicked. Is... We didn't even get onto that. What? What? Nothing. No, we don't need to talk about me. I'm very early on in my career. We don't next need, time, I've, next time, we'll do one in the year and we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll when come when back. I've made it. Yeah, when you've made it. I'm coming back. Yeah, yeah, cool. You're on my list. You're um, on my list. Thank you. Um, And yeah, it's at Ziggy. Ziggy. Oh, she's snaps. got a ring. S-N-A-P-Z-Z. Ziggy Snaps. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, Jody, thanks so much for coming through. Thank you. All right, peace out. Bye, bye, bye.